Welcome to Talk is Jericho. This is the pod of thunder and rock and roll. And we've got a live one today. The Duff McKagan joke of the week. Here we go. Hey, Chris Jericho. It's Duff McKagan here. I'm sitting here with my wife, Susan. We just celebrated our 20th wedding anniversary. We're in London. We were here playing some gigs. She met me in Amsterdam and London. Awesome. And that's the best time ever. But did I tell you, I had a job at the... OJ Factory, but I got canned because I couldn't concentrate. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Ah, yes. Another Duff quote-unquote classic. Lost his job at the Orange Juice Factory because he couldn't concentrate. Get it? Uh, thanks to Duff for calling him in every single week, even when he's on tour. And the tenderest tour, tenderest tour resumes here in the United States next week, September 25th. Get your tickets at DuffOnline.com. And pwi-online.com is where you need to go to subscribe to the digital version of Pro Wrestling Illustrated Magazine. And you're going to want to do that this week because it's their annual PWI Top 500 Wrestlers of the Year. Dan Murphy compiles the list along with help uh, from some of his other PWI writers. And he's here to talk about this year's Top 10, break down the number ones and number 500s from all past issues. Let's see how many number 500s Dan can remember, how many you guys can remember, and how many have gone on to superstar status. All right, let's do it. Dan Murphy and the PWI Top 500. Here we go. All right, so um, very interesting. Uh, uh, every year when Pro Wrestling Illustrated comes out, which has been a part of my life, gosh, since probably the mid '80s. I used to subscribe to Pro Wrestling Illustrated. I used to subscribe to uh, uh, Superstars. I think it was that was the one that you would, you would always have the um, the dream matches. The dream matches. Yeah, I would. I subscribed yeah. to that one, which is great. But every year. The two that came out um, that I always really enjoyed was the uh, year end where they would have the predictions and the awards and all that sort of stuff. And then, of course, the very famous PWI Top 500. And I have Dan Murphy here who's been with the magazine for 20 years or so. 22, yeah. 22 years. So um, I always love the whole concept of the Top 500. I think it's a great... uh, a great a- issue. I'm sure a lot of the boys probably look forward to reading it as much as the the fans do as well. But uh, I guess first and foremost, Dan is is you've been there pretty much since the, since the list started. And how do you, I guess, come to putting together such a gargantuan task of finding 500 wrestlers around the world and then rating them from bottom to top? Yeah, it's it's a challenge, and it, it's something that we don't take lightly um, because it is something that means a lot. I, I mean, a, a lot of the people who are you know in the the WWE or AEW or at the top level, they may or may not uh, care too much about it, or at least you know they may not publicly admit that they do. Uh, but for a lot of the independent guys, I mean, we're at shows all the time, and you know, I can't tell you how many times people have come over and said that they've been in the business for X number of years, and they would love just the acknowledgement of of being in PWI because, like you, they grew up reading it and looking at the list. So we take that seriously, and what we try to do is we really try to look at a, a criteria that we have in place, and that basically we look at one loss record, technical ability, the uh, overall impact on the sport or influence on the sport, uh, success against the highest qu- uh, quality of competition and the most diverse competition and activity. 
And we try to look at that criteria over a 12-month period of time and then begin the process of ranking everybody of, of where they were. So it's not entirely work rate. Uh, it's kind of title success. It's how big of a push you've gotten. It's how active you are on the independent level, how many companies you're working and, and where you're placed on the card. And we try to look at all of those things. It's it's a challenge, especially when you look at the international talent with uh, everything going on in, in uh, England and Europe now, plus Mexico and Japan and elsewhere. Uh, but we, we go piece by piece, put everybody together and work it through until we come up with our list. And it's interesting, too, because when we're talking about the whole concept of, of Pro Wrestling Illustrated and, you know, since its inception, it's really funny because, I mean, and I think we're all cool to say this at this point in time, back in the day, it was, it was it, you know, it's it's a magazine, so you would have a lot of, you know, secret reporters and, you know, when, mm-hmm. when, when Aptor was involved, even though his top 10 rankings, he would always call the different promotions and all that sort of stuff. But it's, it's, it's a magazine based around the entertainment form of wrestling. So it's not always completely a thousand percent. I'm not going to say legit, but there's a lot of opinions and that sort of thing. But when you're doing this top 500, you really do put that much time into it. Like we're even in, when you're going from like 300 to 500, you're still, still tabulating the wins and losses of, you know, Eddie Osborne uh, from ECCW or something like that. <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah. It, it gives me nightmares. It literally does. <laughs> um, because uh, what we do is we'll, we'll tend to do a conference call uh, in since 91, when we started the 500 up until now, you can look at how wrestling has changed. Um, right. Kayfabe was still very heavy, obviously in 91, you had the rise of WCW and ECW and the fall and everything that's happened since then. Um, and the, the internet uh, and the business has just really kind of changed. I remember that first list uh, when it came out, coming up with 500 guys was a challenge. Right. I think Mr. Fuji made the list because he was doing some <laughs> manager battle royals. Um, now we have so many people to choose from, um, and it, it makes a difference. Uh, it, it really means a lot to a lot of those guys. Uh, so we really try to look at everything. Throughout the year, every independent show I go to, I, I keep notes. Um, anytime that I watch a show online or get a clip or anything else, I keep notes. And, and now with YouTube being as, as popular and the internet as ubiquitous as it is, I make it, uh, an effort to try to watch the matches of everyone who's on the list, plus the other two, 300 people that we consider that didn't make the list. Um, you know, you can only do so much, but we really try to stay on it because it is meaningful for the people who are involved with it. Uh, so, yeah, we, uh, we do our best with it. So, so where do you even start? Like I said, if, if we're going by by this year's um, list, for example, and um, I'm just kind of looking through everything here. I think this year Seth Rollins is number one. Spoiler alert, yes. but he's number one. So <laughs> yes. a, a, where where do you – I guess how do you start? Because like you mentioned, like in this day and age, there's so many more wrestlers. Like if I'm going through like 419 is Crazy Steve and 420 is Cheeseburger. Like these are guys that I know and they've been around for a while. Luchasaurus is 434. It seems like five or six years ago, you would be just barely scraping the surface and putting Luchasaurus at like 200 because he works for a major company. But now there's so many more wrestlers out there. It seems like you don't just have to try and scrape together 500. There's probably way more than 500. Yeah, the magazine has about a two-month lead time, basically. So what we do to combat that, you know, from when we do the list and write it, it's about two months until it actually comes out in print. So we look at a 12-month evaluation period. And this month, it was July 1st, 2018, up until June 30th, 2019. That's the main thing that we looked at for ranking everyone. Uh, So a guy like Luchasaurus, uh, AEW only ran one or maybe two events within that window. I'm sure that he's going to be in the top 200 next year. It's just that 
he only had that much activity on the national stage during that time period. Right. Uh, but yeah, there's definitely that, that's uh, a challenge that we have because there's so many people out there, a guy like crazy Steve, great talent. I've known him since he was a rookie up in Ontario. It's just that he's taken a step back from the national stage. He's still doing really well in the Tennessee independence, but he's, he's kind of dialed back the activity and the prominence. So his rating reflects that more so than any change in his in-ring ability. Well, I guess, like you said, the more the more uh, exposure you get, the higher up you're going to be just because you're on TV every week. And obviously the, those matches mean more because you are on, you know, on national television. Yeah, exactly. And it's a sliding scale. It's a tough thing to really kind of wrap your head around. I mean, if you imagine doing a ranking of the, the best actors in the world. And then you begin to look at it. Well, are you looking at Broadway actors? Are you looking at TV or movie? Are you looking at drama or comedy? I mean, because you get a Will Ferrell who's very different than a Daniel Day-Lewis, but they're both actors. Uh, and, and wrestling is the same type of thing. Everybody has a different type of role. And we try to use the criteria we have to uh, get everybody on the list as, as reflective of their past 12 months as possible. And it's funny, you mentioned, and we'll talk about this in a second, in the top 10, I'm looking at them right now. It's Will Ospreay is number 10. Uh, Tana is number, hold on a second. Yeah, Tana is number nine, Tanahashi. And then you have number eight is Kenny Omega. And number mm-hmm. seven is Roman Reigns. And number six is Johnny Gargano. Number five is uh, is uh, Okada, Kazuska Okada. Four is Kofi. Three is AJ. Two is Daniel Bryan. And number one is Seth Rollins. And I will say this, even though I'm not in this year's P- PWI 500, <laughs> Two of the top 10 guys in Okada and Kenny have full page pictures of them beating me up. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so you're, you're definitely represented, if not ranked. Yeah. But you're saying, uh, for me, you mentioned this, that I'm not ranked this year due to the activity requirement, at least 20 matches during the evaluation period, which was from uh, July to, to the end of June, or at least one match in seven, seven separate months. What made you decide to have that uh, category, shall we speak? Well, it was a couple things. Uh, on one hand, you had a lot of the guys like Triple H and Undertaker and later Goldberg and guys who were coming back and, and just kind of jumping into main programs, but only doing a handful of matches. And do we rank them, you know, say they're presented really high on the card, but they've only had a few matches. Is it right to put Triple H in at number 52 because he's only had X number of matches and he may have won half of them or whatever the case may be? Or is it better just to not have him in and, and save that spot for somebody who's been more active? Uh, the seven months thing was was kind of more for the independent guys. If somebody is a a good star in a regional promotion and uh, they're the top guy there who's beating people who are coming in, but the company only runs once every month, you know, the person only has 12, 15 matches, but they're the top guy in a small territory that's beaten some names. We didn't want to disqualify them on the activity, especially if somebody on the undercard of that same show has wrestled 40 or 50 matches, but they're at the bottom of the card. Uh, so we just kind of came up with a uh, – that is, is kind of a solution for the uh, for the time being. Okay, gotcha. So I'm re- my, my highest PW500 ranking was number two in 2009, and I've made the top ten on eight occasions. That's not bad. No, not at all. And you made the top 10 eight times so far. That's you know, and saying, I, right? I remember I wouldn't rule you out. I remember the first time I made the top 10 because like you said, the, guy, the guys do follow this, even though, you know, it's your opinions and all that sort of stuff. But I think I was I'm actually I found a, a website that says it in 1998. I was number 10 
Uh, I dropped a bit in 99 to 29. Then 2000, I was 9. 2001, I was 9. 2002, I was 4. 2003, I was 5. 2004, I was 10. Then a big jump, 2009, all the way to number 2. I made it to number 2 that year. <laughs> I wonder who was number 1 when I was number 2. Oh, I don't have that in front of me. <laughs> but, I mean, that's it's, it's, it was, it's fun to always. Oh, it's Triple H, of course. That's son yeah. of a bitch. That's son of a bitch. Because <laughs> um, I remember it was a big deal in 98 because I think Dean Malenko was number one uh, or 99 or something along those lines. And, yeah. You know, you, for, for a guy like Dean to get voted in at that level was uh, was very cool. It, it was very cool. And, and I liked it because I was a Malenko fan. At that point, I had just started with the magazine and I was writing a lot of the bios, but not on the committee that did the ranking. And that was a year, it was a weird year because a lot of the top guys were injured for a significant portion of the year. And no one really stood out as a consensus. And for whatever reason, right or wrong, uh, the editorial team decided, you know, let's go to the guy who's been consistently the best in-ring performer. And they went with Dean Malenko. Uh, the problem with that is Masawa probably should have been the guy that year. I think he was number two behind Malenko. Uh, and I know at one point there was some you know, there was fear because should we put a Japanese guy on the cover of PWI? Our, our readers don't know who these guys are. Will the issue sell? Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, the first uh, Japanese star that we had as, as number one was just a couple of years ago when Okada was number one. Uh, he kind of, he kind of broke through. Um, so you look at guys like Misawa who for all of their career, how great they were, they made the top 10 Misawa at number one. We never had Tanahashi at number one. That's changed a little bit now. Japan is definitely more prevalent, and, and our fans are more aware of it through uh, through access and the internet. But yeah, uh, that year they went with Dean Malenko as the top guy, and to this day, I, I think it kind of muddies the water because people think of the list as being based on work rate because that year Dean made it based on work rate. But that's only just one of maybe seven or eight pieces of criteria that we look at. Well, I think too, like you mentioned, I mean, and I want to talk about this too, how how what the readership is of Pro Wrestling Illustrated, how much has changed, because now it seems like the readers that are still buying the magazine would be the hardcore fans, uh, just due to the fact that there's so much information available on a daily basis just at your fingertips. It must be kind of harder and harder to be able to, to put out a, a magazine that people are going to want to buy. Yeah, so there's definitely the internet wrestling fans that are out there, and we're aware of that, and they're sophisticated. But I like to remember myself, and and maybe you were the same way. You talked about subscribing uh, when you were younger. Uh, I remember being 10, 12 years old and going grocery shopping with my mom, and she would just kind of leave me at the magazine section, and and she'd go shopping. And I'd sit there cross-legged on the floor reading the wrestling magazines and the comic books until she was done and came back to get me. so I'd like to, I know that that those readers are still out there. The fans who just like to follow their, their favorites, the Roman Reigns, the Braun Strowman's and everything else. So our challenge with PWI is to try to reach out to all of those audiences and, and try to give everybody something and, and make them keep coming back to the magazine. Have you guys kind of um, done more from a digital standpoint, try and come back? Because I know the publishing business as a whole is, is basically gone down so much over the years. Is that something that you try and do more online uh, presence and online uh, uh, releases, shall we say? To a degree, yeah. The the problem with that is, you know, our model is based in print and you don't want to give away everything for free and then people stop buying the print. Uh, So we unleashed or unveiled the the digital version of PWI, which is basically the magazine uh, that you can download. It comes out a little bit early. You can have it on your phone or your tablet or whatever device. 
And to make it a little bit kind of cooler, as you flip through the digital edition, in addition to getting it sooner, uh, there are links. So in the 500, certain wrestlers have clicked uh, links to a YouTube match. So as you go through that 500, I mean, I remember, again, when I was a kid, I'd go through the 500 and I'd look at all the guys who I hadn't seen before who looked interesting and circle them. And it's like, I want to try to watch this guy. I want to keep my eye open for, for this guy. Now with the digital edition, there's, there's a link right there. You can just click and go right to YouTube and see it all in kind of one interface. I remember um, there was a guy that used to come to Rhode Island, uh, the, the, the Coliseum, I think it's called Dunkin' Donuts Arena, whatever it was called. He was called Alfredo the Danger Boy. And he had a jacket, like it was like a Letterman jacket. And on it, he had like 1995, number 458. 1996, 453, like he had his whole listing of whatever, wherever he was listed in the Pro Wrestling Illustrated Top 500 printed out and, and put on a, on a jacket to kind of show how well he had done over the years and how he had raised his uh, status in the Top 500. Did you see a lot of that, of the guys getting really into it, especially more of the lower level guys? Oh, yeah, yeah, it, it still happens. I think... Uh... If I'm not mistaken, Timmy Lou Retton was number 500 a couple of years ago, and he got a, either a belt made or something that was Mr. 500, and he, he had that. And uh, Latin heartthrob Gino, down uh, one of Booker T's students, he made a big thing about his uh, his number, and it was the number of you know 417 <laughs> section or something, whatever it was. So yeah, um, guys still kind of use it as a gimmick where they can. You know, it's still. For a lot of people, it's just an honor to be included. But then you will find, I mean, I've had big name guys, guys who've been on, on WWE pay-per-views, you know, who will kind of bump into me at a show and really give me the severe, well, not severe, but serious heat where they're not just goofing around, but they're like, oh, how come I dropped 30 spots? I had this, I did this, I did this. You know, they're, they're really kind of ticked about it. I had, uh, and he'll, he probably wouldn't mind me saying it, but when we do the PWI report cards, uh, one year I gave... Uh, uh, we gave Christopher Daniels, I think, a B minus, and he was he was heated about it, you know. And it's like, well, it's it's based on what you've achieved and whatever, you know, whatever. But yeah, some guys take it really seriously, <laughs> and and that's good, and and we do too. So we we appreciate that. No, I mean, like I mean, like I said, because I think w- when you are, you know, in that world, like obviously for me, like. And this is not a bad thing. You can understand this. Like, I really don't care if I was number 500 or number two or number one or whatever it may be. Uh, you know, it is what it is. But when you first start, like I said, to, to get that, I remember the first time I was ever listed in the rankings of, uh, of, of um, what is it, WCW or ECW, or it wasn't Pro Wrestling Illustrated. I was so excited. Like, oh my gosh, like I'm number nine overall in ECW, you know, because you grow up reading those things and, you know, taking them as gospel. So when you're actually included in it, it is a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, and you know, I grew up reading the same thing and, and that's why we try to, you know, do our best with it. I mean, it, tomorrow, you know, the day after we're, we're taping this on, on Thursday, the PWI 500 comes out and uh, I, I have heartburn the entire day, like the, the next couple of days, because now it's out there and, and we're writing all these bios and we're trying to beat a deadline and get everything in there. And I'm always terrified that there's some mistake, you know, and, and because even at a small level, a little a, a wrong title in somebody's bio in the 400s, uh, because for them, it is a big deal. And if, if we um, get the name of their finishing move wrong or something along those <laughs> yeah. lines, like, 
you know, it, we hate doing that because it's a big deal for them and we don't want to have any errors. So I always just kind of scan the internet, scan social media, see what people are saying. And, uh, you know, hopefully it, it goes pretty well. And dude, it's like you said, I mean, fans probably won't notice, but you're dealing with a very uh, uh, sensitive group of individuals in pro wrestlers, right? Like if you write something wrong, no one might ever notice it except for the guy who you wrote it about. And that guy would be like, be, be furious at you for getting it. Oh wrong. yeah. Yeah. You know, I had somebody, you know, say to me, well, I haven't used the shining wizard in four years and you have it as one of my signature moves. <laughs> Come on. man. <laughs> By the way, I did a little research uh, in 1999. Danger boy. Alfredo was 382. He had a big drop in 2000. He went down to 419. So I'm sure uh, danger boy wasn't too happy about that. <laughs> Yeah, on, one year the guys will be your best friends. You know, they'll, they'll want to buy you a beer, and then they have that big drop, and all of a sudden they're they're just slamming you on Twitter. And right. <laughs> it happens every year. So you weren't involved in '91, but I'm just going to go through the the top ten for the very first PWI 500. Let's see how the business has changed. Number one is Hogan, Luger, Flair, Savage, Sting, Rick Steiner, Steamboat, Steve Williams, Arn, and Rick Steiner. There's your top ten. So of course Wait, you, you said Rick Steiner twice. Oh, sorry. Scott Steiner was six. Rick Steiner was 10. Yeah. So the Steiners and Arn in the top 10 are, are a little bit uh, surprising in, in retrospect. But all the rest, I mean, those are, you know, first ballot Hall of Fame guys. That's the king of, yeah, the, the, the kings of 1991. And obviously, it would seem to me back in those days that Hogan would have been, a, you, you know, put Hogan on the cover and you're pretty much uh, guaranteed some some sales. Yeah, yeah. Hogan, well, 91 was a little bit down, but yeah, I, I think so. I mean, for the 80s, it was always Hogan and Flair. I, I mean, those were the, the, the twin towers, uh, so to speak, of, of the PWI covers. Who were the, uh, yeah, the guys in the 90s that were the big sellers, if you put them on the cover? The 90s big sellers, Undertaker was big, obviously Stone Cold and, and The Rock. Uh, Triple H and you, uh, were, uh, those are the guys that come to mind right away. Really? Yeah. yeah there, there was quite a few Jericho Pro Wrestling Illustrated covers, so... I guess that explains it. Yeah, I, and at that time, especially during the '90s, we had you know Pro Wrestling Illustrated. You mentioned uh, wrestling superstars in the beginning, but we had Inside Wrestling and The Wrestler. Before that, we had Sports Review, um, and we had the Annuals. So we had five or six different titles uh, of the magazines. Uh, PWI is the last one standing, and and that's really because of uh, the 500 in large part is is that's really kind of kept us going. Uh, really, so this is one of your big uh, big moments of the year that keep <laughs> keeps you rolling. Yeah, the last three or four years, the 500 has actually sold out. So it's it's our biggest issue uh, by far. Really? And, uh, it, it really kind of keeps us going. Yeah, I remember I, I kept buying the um, the the prediction ones for for years after I was even in the business, just out of habit. I just out of kind of maybe a little bit of loyalty because I always really enjoyed. I would always get that one in my stocking at Christmas, and that'd be the first thing I would oh, read yeah. is the is the Pro Wrestling Illustrated year end awards and predictions, which were always great. Yeah, I, the same way. It was for me. It was never felt like Christmas or year end until I had a chance to get that issue and go through all the matches of the year, the feud of the year, and the predictions for the coming year. So yeah, that's the same same thing. Let's go through a couple others. I always love the number five hundred. So five hundred of, of ninety one was Zeus. That's a pretty big name to put on last. Yeah, yeah, that was well. Again, in ninety one, he would have had. I mean, he might have been doing. Puerto Rico at that time because he would have done the no holds barred uh, in 89 or 90, 89, I think SummerSlam 89. Uh, so he might've been just doing a few uh, little one-off spots on the Indies and then uh, Puerto Rico. Gotcha. But I just want to, I want to do the, the, just for people that, that let's just go through the number ones in the 500s every year. So the next year 
in 92. Sting was number one, which is very much expected. Another big name. And then number 500 at that point in time was the uh, illustrious Morgus the Maniac. What do we know yeah. about Morgus? Oh, uh, man. I remember reading about Morgus at the time, uh, but I, he was in the Northeast. I think maybe he was in the Philadelphia area. I can't remember exactly where he was located. But uh, when we were doing the 500, especially for the first few years, and we still do this every once in a while, you know, the 500 spot is often a good spot to, to stick a, a good gimmick. You know, somebody who's just yeah. different and, you know, somebody who's interesting to see. Because if you put that gimmick guy at number 490, then the 10 guys who come up behind him are like, oh, how come I'm behind the gimmick guy? You know, so 500 was a good spot to get somebody in there. Uh, and it's kind of changed a little bit, particularly this year. Our, our 500 this year is Corey Storm out of uh, Ohio Valley Wrestling. Because the thing is, there's so many qualified guys. You don't want to necessarily kind of burn a, a gimmick spot at the expense of taking out somebody else who really deserves to be in there. Uh, but I think Morgus is one of those guys, and you'll see a lot more as you kind of go through the years. Uh, as the number 500 is being somebody who had a u- unique and interesting gimmick, and uh, it was just a good spot to, to fit him in there. You know, it's one of those things, too. Like I said, like I would rather be 500 than like 467 because everybody's checking out who number 500 is. Yeah. Yeah. I had um, Puff. Uh, he's a Western New York guy in, in Buffalo. Um, uh, big guy. He's about around 380 or so, uh, real fan favorite, beat Joey Ryan a, a little while back. So he's facing some names. Uh, he was number 500 and, uh, Pepper Parks, Braxton Sutter, uh, Pepper Parks. So he was kind of giving me grief about being 500 joking around and Pepper was, uh, 500 a few years back and said the same thing. He goes, man, you got the second best ranking in the 500. I mean, everyone's going to look at number one and they look at number 500. So don't take that for granted. You know, you, you'd rather be 500 than the 399. Believe me. I think it was uh, uh, Billy Anderson maybe one year who was number 500. He was super excited about it. Yeah, uh, Billy. In fact, a few years back, I remember seeing uh, Billy at the Cauliflower Alley Club, and he was selling copies of your book, which, you know, this gimmick table. And I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. And I'd asked him about it. He's like, oh, he mentioned me in it. And, you know, I just bought a bunch in bulk, and I signed the page that he mentioned me. (laughs) All right. (laughs) (laughs) Always be hustling, man. That's great. I uh, yeah, workers workers are gonna work. Hey, I totally approve that. No problem at all. <laughs> uh, yeah. So ninety three, uh, Bret Hart, which would make perfect sense. Uh, and number five hundred that year, Garbage Man. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which again, a famous one. You know, the Garbage Man went on. You know, Duke the Dumpster Gross. Oh, so that was actually a, Duke the Dumpster Gross. He was wrestling as the Garbage yeah. Man before that. Before he came to WWE, yeah. And Jeez. I don't know the entire backstory on it, but I know that that's what got him national attention. And I don't know if that's what put him on WWE's radar or not. I mean, he obviously had the size and he had the gimmick in, in a time where they wanted gimmicks. Uh, wow. But that was the first national uh, attention. And the next thing you know, he uh, a year or two later becomes Duke the Dumpster Rose. Wow. See, the, the, I remember one time uh, Taz was in the top 10 and he actually used that as a bargaining chip with Eric Bischoff. It's like, hey, you know, I'm ECW champion, and I was top ten in Pro Wrestling Illustrated. You know, I, listen, Taz is going to hear that, get mad at me. So that's the rumor that I heard. <laughs> that's the rumor that I heard was that Taz used that as a as a thing on his resume. PWI top ten uh, inductee. And if it worked for him, I'm glad that we could help. That's right. That's right. So '94, Bret Hart. He's in there again. Uh, number one, two time number one winner. Who's the guy that has the most number ones? The most number one is actually John Cena. Uh, John he's Cena. the only guy who's done it three times. Oh, uh, in okay. 2006, 2007, and 2013. 
Uh, okay. Seth, who got it this time, uh, this is Seth Rollins' second time. There's a handful of guys who've gotten it twice, but uh, Cena's the only guy who's gotten it three times. Jeez, I never got it once, Matt. I feel I feel slighted in my career now. This is uh, this is a sad <laughs> day for me. Uh, number well, you've five. got a new, uh, new goal for 2020. Yeah, exactly. You know what? When I uh, won uh, Most Hated Wrestler of the Year for PWI uh, back in, I think, 98, there was no, uh, you guys weren't giving out the plaques anymore, and I made Stu Sachs make me a plaque and send it to me because I always wanted one of those plaques. You're not the only guy who's done that. Um, yeah. You know, we've, we've, yeah. So in, in fact, for a while uh, with the number one or the number one, the loons 100 uh, periodically we'll make a plaque and uh, you know, we'll do a little presentation. So uh, I don't know, maybe we'll do that with uh, Seth this year. We'll, we'll find out. But right, yeah, well, some of those guys really just want to have that plaque, especially for something like most hated. Especially if you grew up reading it. Cause I, like I said, that would be, unwrap the, uh, the, the 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 magazine on Christmas morning and look through and see who won. So, uh, ninety four Bret no, Hart's we, number one, number five hundred. Oh, the illustrious Don E. Allen. Yes. You know what uh, Don E. Allen's most known for to me? What's that? He played uh, Peter Chris when uh, Meanie and the BWO was doing the Kiss thing uh, in ECW Arena when the Kiss reunited. It was Blue Meanie was Gene Simmons, Stevie Richards was Paul Stanley, Supernova was Ace Fraley, and Don E. Allen was Peter Chris. And they came to the ring and, and uh, lip-synced rock and roll night until Sandman came down and caned them all. <laughs> was Donnie chosen just because he, you know, like the, the Brady Bunch because he fit the suit? Or, I mean, how did Donnie Allen I basically just fit the suit. Yeah, they needed a fourth guy yeah. and he just probably hey, put this Peter Chris makeup on. Or maybe he was a huge Kiss fan or maybe, I don't know, all I know is that uh, he's the illustrious Peter Chris. Uh, okay, 95 is the uh, Diesel in there. Diesel had a big year that year and uh number 500 of that year was kevin kirby don't know who that is no i can't remember kevin kirby myself i'd have to go back and, and read his bio to find out uh, a little bit more about him and i will say that donnie allen went from 500 to 499 that year so he uh that must have been when he was peter chris he had a little bit more steam there he got the bump i got the bump all right 96 and this is almost to your era 96 is sean michaels Finally, Shawn Michaels is number one. Much deserved, I would say, for that time period. Oh, yeah. That was the year of the, the Iron Man match, I believe, uh, against yeah. Brett. You know, and anyone That's... who wins at WrestleMania, you know, the winner of the main event of WrestleMania is kind of the guy to beat. Uh, that's the front runner. Because if you can headline the biggest stage in the U.S. like that, you know, you're, you're going to be definitely in consideration. And you look at the work Sean was doing at that time, this WWE was going through its, its new era of, of, you know, smaller guys. And he was perfectly indicative. He was the right guy at the right time. Right, right. And the right guy for the right time for number 500, Baby Huey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Baby Huey might have been in ICW at the time. Again, I think he's another Northeast independent guy, but another case of a guy with a, a great gimmick. And uh, we, we like getting the gimmick spotlighted. In there That's it, like you said, yeah. If for just a little, little trivia note, 499 was Jake Steele who actually trained uh, in Calgary in, I believe, 1992. He cha- he was in the same class as uh, PJ, uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Just Incredible, and uh, Rebel Starbuck from Finland. They were all in the same class with Jake Steele. Very cool. And also, too, another trivia note, Donnie Allen moved up to 498 that year. So he was really on a roll, slowly but surely making yeah, his way to number one. You know, in another 500 years, he'd, exactly. he'd be up there. 
All right, now we start the Dan Murphy era. Do you remember who the first number one was when you came in? Uh, would this be 97? Uh, 98 would have been Dean, so I'm not sure who 97 was. So 97 was Dean, so this was Dean's year. Oh, okay, so it was a Dean. Okay. Yeah, and that, once again, you think about that. He went from 13 up to number one, beating Steve Austin, and I bet you Diamond Dallas Page wasn't happy about that, that Dean beat him. Page was number four that year. <laughs> and we go to number 500, who was Joe Rules. Yeah, I don't know who that Joe is. Joe Rules. Uh, yeah, he was. Uh, I, I, he might have been one of Jim Tetner's guys. Again, a lot of these, uh, and this is the the case where this is again. You know, the internet existed in '97, but it wasn't what it is today. Right. Obviously, there was no YouTube or anything like that. So, to fill out the list, a lot of things we were still getting a lot of submissions where people would send us packets, publicity packets, videotapes. Really? Else we'd get in the mail. Oh yeah, yeah, big bundles of them. And we'd have to weed through it. And uh, Brandy Mankevich was one of the editors who, who kind of did that for several years. Um, and I remember one of the big challenges she had was that was the era of a lot of backyard wrestling. And people were just gimmicking, working uh, their credentials, their titles, naming companies that never existed, sending in results. And she had to kind of weed through and determine what was legit, what wasn't. And then you had guys who were, you know, I mean, not them specifically, but you had guys like the Hardys and Shannon Moore and everything else who were doing backyard, but they were also, you know, in other promotions. So you, you'd get these submissions from people and say, well, what's real and what's not real? It was just a really weird time for, for wrestling. But I think that there might have been a little bit of a bias uh, in our office because we the office is based in the Philadelphia area mm. and there's a lot of independence there. So they, they got to see those guys more often. So um, I think that Kettner and Delaware with the ECWA and some of those other companies got represented pretty well uh, just because of the geographic proximity to the headquarters. But I mean, that, that makes perfect sense. I mean, that's why I always tell people when they're working, even to this day, like, oh, I live in Louisville or I live in Vancouver or I live in, you know, Texas. It's like, you guys need to move to the north northeast, you know, New York, Philly, Delaware, Connecticut, all that area is where, where so much of, of the independent wrestling is still based to this day. And you'll get more work and more exposure if you're in the in that, you know, New York, Pennsylvania, Connecticut area. Yeah, it, it, it definitely helps in terms of exposure because, you know, more eyes are on the cards and being networking, you get more booking. So, yeah, absolutely. 1998, no, no uh, surprise. Number one is Steve Austin, of course. Little side note, uh, hot young upstart Chris Jericho, number 10. That was my first uh, uh, top 10 appearance. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Welcome, and, to the, welcome to the 500 top 10. Yeah, it was <laughs> a big deal for me. Uh, and uh, number 500, Chip Fairway. Kind he of, was the, he did the golf gimmick. I would hope so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, we go to 1999. Here's where Taz was number 10. I think this is where Taz used the fact he was the top 10 PWI uh, performer uh, and number one that year for the second year in a row, Steve Austin. No surprise. Yep. It was yep. a big year for Steve, probably his last really big year. And number 500 from the United States of America, Vincent Goodnight. Do we know who that is? Yeah. I can't remember much about Vincent Goodnight. So that's no. right. I just Googled him. Good looking kid, but uh, never really heard of him. Seemed like he did a couple uh, matches. For WWE, like Jack and Sunday Night Heat from uh, from Lincoln, Nebraska, is where Vincent Goodnight is from. So, Vincent, if you're listening, now, I know that we have a shout out to you. Yeah, we have a Mikey Every Night who made the list this year. So Ooh. maybe Mikey Every Night, Vincent Goodnight, you know, at, at, at some point. Maybe cousins. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Triple H, number one for 2000. Uh, hot young upstart Chris Jericho moves up to number nine. 
So uh, yep. a little bit. Uh, what is that where we are? Yeah, in 2000. Oh, yeah. So I, I missed the top 10 in 99. It dropped and I went back up to number nine in 2000. So in uh, that year, uh, number 500 was the California kid. Not sure. Uh, yep. Maybe he's related to the Colorado kid. I don't know. <laughs> Former NWA champion. Yeah, the Colorado kid. Uh, again, cousins. Maybe. Mike Rapata. I remember that name. Yeah. 2001, Kurt Angle makes his way in to number one. Jericho yeah. stays at Angle knocked off. Uh, yeah, you were in number nine, again, right behind Misawa. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's, uh, again, one of those years where we had some of the, I mean, these incredible Japanese guys in the top ten, but just never at the number one spot. Uh, Angle at one, Stone Cold two, then Benoit. Then you have Mudo, uh, number eight, you have Misawa, then you... Um, so yeah, it was uh, a really kind of diverse year back then. It, Are you following really along? Cool when... Did you find the website with all the top top? <laughs> no, this is from memory at this oh, point. Oh, jeez, that was really good, man. <laughs> no, I, I'm cheating at this point. I pulled up a little bit of a list here. That's right. But yeah, it, it, it's cool because you can have the the you know the WCW had just kind of ended, but you still had all that WCW talent, WWE talent, and all the international talent. You're really seeing a lot going on right there. This is cool for me too. Lance Storm at number thirteen, Chris Jericho at number nine, two skids from uh, from Hart Brothers Pro Wrestling Camp, graduating class nineteen ninety, making it into the top thirteen of the Pro Wrestling Illustrated top five hundred. That's a pretty good, uh, pretty good little story there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and our former boss uh, Genshiro Tenru is number twelve. So number five hundred that year is Pepper Parks. Yes. Uh, Pepper Parks went on to be Braxton Sutter and Impact a couple of years ago. He's still very active. Uh, but at that time, he was, I think he had just gotten, it, it would have been before he started up with Les Thatcher, I think. Uh, but he was doing a male cheerleader gimmick. And he had his hair, he had long hair, he had it up in ponytails. It's all, he looks like Jason Statham now. He looks like a Jack Jason Statham. But he had this long, flowing hair and these ponytails. And uh, uh, he was doing really well with the gimmick. And then a couple of years later, all of a sudden, the Spirit Squad came out and uh, basically just, stole his gimmick blind and uh, he had to kind of reinvent himself and like you said now uh reinvent himself again as Bra- is it what's his name now uh braxton Still, sutter he, he was braxton sutter in impact but then went left impact and went back to Pepper parts gotcha okay uh number one in 2002 is rvd chris jericho up to number four my highest ranking as to date number 500 Derek mcquinn don't know much about Derek. yeah i don't remember Derek at all 2003, Brock Lesnar comes in, much uh, much deserved, I'd say. Uh, and Jericho falls down to number five. <laughs> and uh, Billy Kay is number 500. No need for a last name, just Billy Kay. Any yeah, comp- it wouldn't have to be confused with uh, one of the Iconics right now, Billy Kay with Peyton Royce. <laughs> but uh, yeah, different Billy Kay. You sure it's not the same? Well, let's talk a little bit about the I- women's uh, 500 because – uh, or sorry, the women's 100, because I know that's something that's uh, fairly recent. But once again, with the advent of, of, of women's wrestling and so many, uh, you know, between WWE and AEW and uh, Impact, and then you've got Shimmer and Stardom and all this sort of stuff, it must be very easy to come up with 100 uh, worthy uh, women for this list as well. Yeah, we, we started that up about you know, 12 years ago, I think now. It was the female 50 originally. And at that time, it was tough really coming up with 50, you know, because we didn't even, we looked at 50 in North America and, well, actually just the U.S. and Canada, honestly, uh, because the Lucha style was so different and and what they were doing in Japan was so different than what WWE and and Impact were doing. Uh, But I was a big proponent of it. I I pushed for it for a little while before we finally got it up and running. 
Uh, and last year we expanded it from 50 to 100 and opened it up internationally. I, I wrote, co-wrote a book, uh, Sisterhood of the Squared Circle, A History of Women's Pro Wrestling. Uh, so I was really active going out to Shimmer a couple times a year and, and watching Shine shows. And I know that entire crew and, and very kind of on top of everything that's happening. But got together and, and watched what was happening in the independents, plus in WWE and NXT with Shayna Baszler and everything, and then in stardom over in Japan. And uh, it's really been great. It's been, uh, you know, you come up with that 100 people, and there's still another 40 or 50 that you look at and say, oh, my God, I can't believe that she's not on the list, but I, there's no one I can bump out to make room for her. You know, that's that's the list. And who uh, was, so it's really who great no- that women's... Who was number one uh, most recently? Uh, last year's number one, oh, last year's number one was Ronda Rousey. Uh, gotcha. Again, controversial in that she was a rookie and, you know, she was still new, but she was undefeated. She headlined WrestleMania and everything else. I mean, she was uh, she was our number one, and the year before that, it was Asuka. Yeah, obviously, too, she deserves it. If you're talking about, you know, the, the biggest names uh, in the business, Ronda's definitely one of them as a rookie or not, for sure. Yeah. Uh, 2004, uh, Benoit is number one and Eddie is number two. A little bit of a poetic uh, kind of a sad thing there. And number 500 is Rod Steele. Sounds like a porn star. Yeah. Right. I believe that was Rod Steele who was in OVW at the time. Um, yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, he was doing quite a bit. I think he actually he might have did some training at the OVW school for a little while. I know he was really well-respected. He was an older guy. But yeah, he was. Uh, he was you, an interesting character. Let me ask you a question. If you talk about Chris and Eddie, and obviously their their passings were both very different, but both very untimely. How how did you handle not just their deaths, but all deaths in Pro Wrestling Illustrated? Did you, you know, write about funny, them? When like I the, started, did you write about them like they yeah, were yeah. legit news type of thing? Or? We did. Yeah. When when I started with PWI, uh, Brandy and Kevin said to me. Uh, uh, working for PWI is basically half Marvel comics and half straight journalism. Right. Because we're writing kayfabe and you're writing about superheroes, these, these characters. For, but at times, real life intrudes on that. You have to be factual and, and realistic in your reporting. For a lot of us, you know, writing about the Von Erichs and everything that happened with them was something. I remember when the junkyard dog died doing his obituary and, and others is the magazine continued to kind of evolve and, and wrestling itself evolved, getting a little bit away from kayfabe and a little bit more into reality. PWI had to too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so by this time we were doing a lot more shoot interviews, a lot more legitimate um, backstage reporting without being kind of a dirt sheet. You know, uh, we, we right. want to kind of keep some things behind certain behind the curtain, you know, but in those cases we had to report on it and, and did some really strong, you know, reporting about everything that happened and what came out with both Chris and Eddie. I remember one time, because uh, like you said, it was half Marvel Comics, half shoot, but a lot of times, you know, the interviews that were in the the the, the Pro Wrestling Illustrated might not be 100%, you know, sitting down talking with the guys like they are now. And I remember one time I got sued by Larry Zabisco for, I had a t-shirt and I was calling myself the living legend. And I had to go to I the, got, uh, did, yeah, I got a contact, a, a call from our publisher because I was, we were, we were working some of the interviews back then. Right, um, and, and Stu Sachs has kind of admitted it, and you know, as long as we stayed within the the, the frames of the storylines, everything was fine. And you were calling yourself living, the living legend. I remember I had to work an interview with you at some point in '97 or '98, and I had you say that. And uh, apparently, when you got sued, uh, Larry Sabisco used that as evidence, <laughs> and they, they contacted me. It's like, yeah, you, you know, you might get subpoenaed on this. 
uh, how ridiculous so right it, yeah it, i mean obviously it never came to that but yeah it, uh, i mean just you were always great when I, when I had to do the worked interviews because i really liked your your early interview style and i felt like I can write the stuff. I, I get preserved. I get the character. And I, I guess I got it so, so well that Zabisco thought it was legit and uh, was, was going to subpoena me. When I sat down for the deposition and, and the, the lawyers, because they don't know any better, right? They're like, oh, and then this ep- uh, issue of pro wrestling, you know, so I'm like, what? You can't use that as evidence. That's not real. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a different time. It was. It was. 2005, Big Dave Batista is number one which is really cool. Uh, and number 500. Oh, Nick Nemeth. Yes. Now known yeah, as Nick Nemeth Dolph was, Ziggler. Yeah. He was, um, again, doing really well down in Ohio Valley wrestling. He was definitely one to watch. And he was one of those guys that we knew was going to have, you know, was going to do well. Um, I think Cornette was still there in 2000. I'm pretty sure Cornette was still there, but I, I remember talking to, you know, uh, Cornette and Danny Davis and everything else. Like who are the guys to watch? And uh, Nick was definitely one. So uh, he was, that's uh, how he got that spot. That might be the highest 500 to superstar ever. Definitely at that point. At this point, yeah, there, I think it might be. Yeah. I don't think we've ever had another 500 who went on to a, a world title in WWE. 2000, well, Dolph did have the world title, title briefly. Didn't he beat or, or Del Rio for it? So he, he actually was the, uh, the champion at one point. So there you go. 500 yeah. to world yeah. champion. Uh, 2006 was the uh, Cena's first number one. And number 500, Mike Page. Not as successful as uh, Nick Nemeth. No, he, he's, he's no Dolph Ziggler. And might I just add that the Donnie Allen era seems to be over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, once, uh, once ECW folded, I think that was the end of Donnie. Yeah, Donnie, yeah. I wonder what the E stands for. John Cena, 2007, like you mentioned. And number 500 that year, Andre Hart. Hmm. Nope, I can't recall. And 499 was Vincent Nothing, which maybe was Vincent Goodnight's new gimmick. Maybe I don't know. We don't. We don't. <laughs> <laughs> you got to reinvent yourself every you, once you in a while. Do. You know that. This Goodnight thing isn't happening. I'm just going to change my name to Nothing. Vincent Nothing. <laughs> uh, 2008 was Randy Orton. A uh, big year for Randy, which it's crazy to believe Randy's been on top for so long. Uh, you forget about how long he's been there and how long he's been so good. Yeah, I was just going to say with Randy, you, you see him, you know, in, in action now, and, and you look back, at, you know, whether he was in two thousand six, seven, eight, nine, he he still looks the same. I mean, he he was, yeah, he you know, does. maybe he looked a little facially younger, but his ring presence, his style, he's just he's just ageless, and uh, he's still amazing. Here's a top ten for the for the bottom five hundred. I'm going to read it to you. Number five hundred, Kurt Adonis, but that's not why I'm reading it. Here we go. Cliffhanger, four ninety nine. The guy with red hair. 498 worker ant 497 super callo 493 larry zabisco 492 and 491 i got a brewski i got a brewski yeah yeah it was uh definitely an era of uh, a lot of gimmicks back then (laughs) (laughs) but i wonder i mean i wonder how zabisco felt about being you know one behind i got a brewski but uh you know, sandwiched between Again, Super Calo and I got a brewski. By the way, that's spelled I G O T T A brewski. Maybe he's yeah. Russian. I'm not sure. Polish, maybe. Yeah, Polish. It was a Polish gimmick. <laughs> I like the guy with the red hair, too. Um, as we move forward here, 2009 is Triple H. 
Number two, Chris Jericho. I couldn't get past that Triple H no matter what. Well, that's, yeah, no matter what, he was always there. He always had the shovel, yeah. you know, he was, he was I, there. <laughs> I did go up <laughs> 27. Uh, I think originally I was supposed to be number one, but then you got a call from Connecticut and uh, that changed very quickly. <laughs> number 500. I can either confirm or deny that. <laughs> right. Number 500, Shockwave the Robot. Yes. Uh, Shockwave, uh, based in uh, central New York. Uh, if you've ever seen him, he, he does, you know, he's got this whole suit that he made. It's a, a robot. Oh. Takes off most of the kind of hard plastic stuff and, and does kind of a, a breakdancing robot thing. Um, but he has a, a little control pad or he used to have a control pad uh, on his arm. And if he, he hit that, it would program him to be an incredible wrestler. So you'd come out all clunky like a robot and whatever and then hit this button. And all of a sudden he's doing these Greco-Roman takedowns and fluid and everything looked good. And then eventually a wrestler would grab it, hit the control panel, and he'd lock up and, you know, that's fun a, little gimmick. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's, just, it's just yeah. kind of a modern-day uh, Max Moon. <laughs> Very similar, yeah. 2010, AJ Styles. Wow. Almost 10 years ago, AJ was number one. Another guy who's been there for so and long. He was, it's been so good. He was the only guy from Impact Wrestling who ever got the top spot. You know, if you look at everybody here, it was everyone in WWE for a, a solid 15 years or so. Uh, but that was the one year that AJ uh, beat out John Cena and, and got the top spot. Wow. There you go. All right. Uh, Barry Wolf, number 500. Very uh, average name. Definitely not a guy with red hair on that one. Oh my goodness! Really? 2011, number one. Do you know who it is? I do. Say it. It was it was the Miz. Yeah. That's controversial. What was the mindset for that? With that, I remember this specifically. I mean, he he went into WrestleMania as, as a champion, and he he retained the title against John Cena at WrestleMania. And our and everybody else had kind of a, a bad year. Uh, he beat out Randy Orton. He beat out Cena. Number four that year was Kane. And Del Rio, like Mr. Anderson made the, the top 10. Like you, it just didn't have that, that kind of superstar top 10 that we've had in previous years. Right, um, yeah. And uh, I remember driving down to Philly. Uh, it's before we did kind of a, a conference call to really talk about the, 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 what we'll do is we'll have some of the writers and we'll do a few hour conference call to go over the top, maybe 75 or so. And then they give it over to me and I handle the rest of the list and send it to the group and we make some adjustments and discuss uh, but that year I was driving down to Philly and the whole drive down, I was trying to think, I, we, I can't, I can't in good conscience go with the Miz. Uh, it's gotta be somebody else. But for a seven hour drive from, from Buffalo, New York down to Philadelphia, I couldn't think of anyone else. And, uh, we got into the building and we all kind of looked at each other and went, we're going with the Miz number one, aren't we? Yeah, I guess we are. Wow. Uh, that year during that evaluation period, because at that time he was on SmackDown, he was on Raw with the brand split. He was on NXT. I think he was mentoring Daniel Bryan at the time. He was all over the programming, had the world title. I think he had the IC title. There was just no one else who could touch his ear. So the Miz has been number one, and I haven't. My it's goodness. True. I'm going to have to deal with that <laughs> next time I see him. Uh, 2012 <laughs> is CM Punk at number one. That was a, a big year for him. And 500, Brian Hardy. No relation, I'm assuming. No, no, no relation, but he is a second generation wrestler. His uh, father, uh, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm blanking on his name right now. Uh, but he was a, he was in the, ex, uh, um, Barry Hardy, uh, used to team with Dwayne Gill, uh, in WWE, gotcha. uh, kind of enhancement matches. And Brian was just kind of working with his dad and doing a father son tag team gimmick at the time. And can I say that the Miz dropped from number one to number 49? That's got to be one of the biggest drops ever to show that it was a, he was a one trick pony that year. He was. 
2013 return of Cena to the top position, kind of a Arnold returning to Mr. Olympia. He wins uh, five or six years after the last one. Yeah, yeah, very similar, I guess. Number 500, Lucifer Lords. I like that name. Lucifer, I wonder where Lucifer yeah, I, Lords is nowadays. Yeah, I don't know where he ended up, but he had the whole <laughs> heaven and hell heaven and hell type gimmick going on. So. All right, 2014, Daniel Bryan at number one, which uh, he had a big year. That's when he, the big yes movement started. And at number 500, my close personal friend, Grado. Yes, yes. Uh, Grado was one that I, I had really kind of seen. This is before he got to Impact, so... I was seeing some kind of viral videos going on uh, of just, you know, him coming out doing his entrance to like a prayer and everything else in ICW, I think over in Scotland. And uh, it, it kind of turned me on. I'm like, uh, you know, to, to see more about this guy. Uh, so I started watching his stuff and he was doing mostly comedy stuff, but he was, he was solid for what, you know, he was doing. So I thought he was a guy that really kind of needed or, or would fit well in that spot. And uh, that's, that's how great. Yeah. Great. Great. is a very entertaining performer. Uh, 2015, Seth Rollins was number one. His first uh, uh, exposure at number one there. And 500 is the Space Monkey. Yes, out of Ontario. Another, again, a gimmick, but great wrestler. He, he does this thing where he was, uh, you know, he was shot into, he was a monkey who was shot into space, came back with incredible wrestling abilities. Uh, and he's really, really good uh, gymnastically. So he Ooh. has great gimmick, but he can actually go too. Well, he I hope he's good gymnastically like... if he's a monkey from space. I mean, there's no gravity and he's got the, you know, the gymnastics yeah. things going on. So uh, yeah. shout out so to the space one. monkey. Uh, let's just see. Uh, we move, we get to the north. The end, Roman Reigns in 2016 with Okada at number two. Was that a little bit of a discussion as to who goes at number one or was it, was it Reigns' year? No problem. That one was Reigns' year. Um, you know, Okada was definitely there on the cusp, but Reigns had a fantastic year. And, and even though when we called him to tell him that he was number one, he kind of laughed and says, you know, you, you're going to have a lot of people hating you. So, yeah, we, we, we're, we're aware because, you know, the, the backlash is definitely on, um, which actually is something that Seth Rollins said to us this year, um, which kind of surprising. Seth huh. was kind of the Internet darling a couple of years ago. And, and this year, you know, he was kind of saying, yeah, you guys might, you know, take a little bit of heat over this, but. Yeah, uh, but Roman Reigns was, was the, the clear pick in 2016. Changed you, in 2017. Do you call uh, the number ones every year and let them know? We typically do. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I mean, if it's a WWE guy, we coordinate with WWE, but we, we give them a quick heads up, talk to them a little bit, uh, get some quotes for the magazine, whatever possible. Gotcha. Number 500 that year, Timmy Lou Retton. Yes, and he's the one I mentioned. He was doing a... Uh, he was an illegitimate son of uh, Mary Lou Retton, and he was he does the whole uh, gymnast thing and the ribbon thing. He did a gimmick where I think he had a 500 title belt or something that his local promotion had for him. Hey, you know what? You got to give credit to these guys for coming up with these gimmicks, man. It's uh, it's like everyone's giving Orange Cassidy crap, and I'm like, well, at least it's something different. Everyone knows who he is. Whether you like it or don't like it, you're standing out and getting uh, people to talk about you, and that's the most important thing about what wrestling is all about. Absolutely. 2017, uh, Okada, number one, and number 500. Yep, our first. First, first. well, let's talk about this. Is that the first ever non-North American winner? That's right. Yeah, the first one from Japan or from outside of uh, North America. And again, there was a, a debate about whether or not, um, you know, is he uh, is it going to sell? Is the magazine going to sell if we have somebody who's not a WWE guy uh, on the cover? And it sold. I mean, we sold out 
So, um, you know, we're, we're very happy and, and that really kind of let us know that our readers do appreciate New Japan and everything that's going on, um, you know, internationally. Uh, and he was definitely a deserving candidate. So uh, yeah. we're very happy that we were able to get him. And like I said, that doesn't surprise me considering that, you know, your fan base, like we mentioned, is probably a very hardcore one at this point anyways, just to be buying magazines alone because magazines are so much uh, – very archaic almost in a lot of ways same thing with rolling stone magazine or you know billboard magazine or anything like that yeah it's, it's definitely uh it's it's been a you know it, it's not, the high point is past but we're, we're still soldiering on daniel richards number 500 uh there don't know much about daniel and we go to 2018 last year number one was do you know who it was kenny omega of course i was going to yeah. guess that before i even clicked on it one of the, I think Okada and Omega are probably the, the best two wrestlers uh, in the world to a certain point over the last couple of years. Yeah, and we that year we actually had AJ Styles kind of penciled in at the top spot, but Okada or uh, Omega won the title. I think at Dominion, uh, he won it right at the end of the, the evaluation period. Yeah, I'm like all right, now he, he finally won it. He, I mean, we, we got to go with him. So we did kind of flip and, and went with uh, Omega at number one. Number five hundred, Puff, with one F. Yes, Puff. Yep, Puff okay. from uh, from Western New York. Yeah, he's a, a good guy, entertaining guy. Four ninety six. Steve Rivers, a guy I used to wrestle with back in Calgary in the early nineties. So Steve is out there still working. Always good to see the brothers uh, still making a living out there. Um, and then that takes us to this year, where number one, like we said, is Seth Rollins, uh, which is his second year at number one. And we go to the number five hundred, Corey Storm. That is- Corey Storm, Category Five uh, Storm, yeah, from Ohio Valley Wrestling. Again, not not so much a gimmick, just a, a talented wrestler who, who has a, a lot of potential and had a particularly good year. He's been on a tear in Ohio Valley Wrestling. He won the 2019 Midsummer Nightmare Tournament and the NWP Smitty Werbin Jaggerman Jensen Tournament this summer. That's not real. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's funny because I've got a word count for each of those bios, and when you can get a tournament name like that, it makes it a lot easier to write. You know, that, that accounts for about seven words right there. Perfect. So, how, so as we wind down here, Dan, once again, this has just been a lot of fun to go through all this. And how long does it take for you to put together the list and write all the bios? How many people are working on this? Because as you mentioned, this is the big project for the year for for Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Yeah, we, we do the ranking. Um, we, we do a, a conference call, a, a in-person meeting, and we go through as, as many as we can over a maybe four-hour span. Maybe it's 70 to 80 or so. We kind of get burnt out. Uh, that's when we start looking at, like, tag teams in WWE and say, well, you know, which of the Primo or Epico, which is higher, you know? And then we go through and say, well, which one normally scores the pinfalls? And, you know, things like that, trying to determine where everybody should be. And then after that, uh, they kind of hand it off to me, kind of go through the rest. It takes me a couple of weeks to put together the, the list. Uh, we fine-tune it a little bit, and then uh, we split up the bios. I typically write 250 to 500, so I kind of handle the second half. Uh, the first half of the bios is split up between four or five other writers. And I say from beginning to end, from our first call to when we finally get this together. And on top of that, we have to have photos, at least one picture for every page. Uh, so you get a block of ties from, you know, the 350 to 360, and we need artwork. Uh, and it's normally me who has to chase that to see, okay, we need a picture of Orange Cast, We need a picture of whatever to fit. So it probably takes about 10 weeks uh, to get the whole thing together uh, from start to finish. And uh, it's right during the summertime. So, you know, when everybody's out there enjoying the sunshine and kayaking, you know, you can picture 
uh, me and uh, a couple of the other guys, uh, Al Castle and some of the rest, uh, Mike Bessler, uh, sitting in front of our laptops and uh, writing wrestling bios. That's what we do with our summer times. Well, and like I said, it's worth it, and it's one of the highlights every year for every pro wrestler, even uh, even myself. Like I said, when I found out I wasn't ranked this year, I was like, well, that sucks. So hopefully next year I'll be back. I have to beat The Miz. I have to get to number one. And if I do get to number one, Dan Murphy, I expect a plaque and a full ceremony on the top of a, of a, of a, a big hotel in downtown New York City on Pro Wrestling Illustrated's dime. I, I guarantee it. If you're number one, I guarantee it. All right. Dude, thank you so much for this. It was a lot of fun, and uh, I look forward to hearing the reactions of, of everybody who was, uh, who was uh, included and, uh, and who was not. Yeah, the ones who weren't included are the ones that worry me. But, uh, yeah, thank you very much, Chris. I really appreciate being on. Cheers, man. Thank you. All right, the PWI Top 500 issue is on sale now. You can get a copy wherever magazines are sold. You can also purchase online at pwi-online.com. One of my favorite uh, issues of Pro Wrestling Illustrated of the year, even though I've never been number one on the PWI Top 500, but I've never been uh, number 500 either. What I have been is the proprietor and party host of Chris Jericho's Rocket Wrestling Rager at Sea Part 2. We set sail on January 20th. We are completely sold out, but you can put yourself on the waiting list of a cabin becomes available and get on board with me for a vacation of a lifetime with Ric Flair and the NWO and AEW and Fozzie and uh, DDP and uh, Kenny Omega uh, Young Bucks you name it everyone's going to be on there Fluffy's going to be there Gabriel Iglesias Craig Gass uh, Bruce Jingles we've got a great lineup so go to ChrisJerichoCruise.com and put yourself on the waiting list you still have a chance to go we still have four months before we leave and come see Fozzie Unleashed in the West tour is on we're in Tucson Arizona tonight at the encore tomorrow september 21st in el paso at speaking rock that's a free show uh, so come on down for that uh, september 22nd we are in albuquerque uh at the landing landing strip is that what we're called the launch pad is where we are the landing strip will be uh, next month and then don't forget september 25th in dallas at canton hall 26 in houston at warehouse live 27 hattiesburg mississippi at brewskies and we finish up september 28th at atlanta georgia at the masquerade uh, that show looks like it's going to sell, sell out so buy your tickets soon all ticket information at fozzyrock.com you can also get all information for our vip meet and greet program one of the best in the business we did uh, uh what do we do today we did Judas, we did Nowhere to Run, we did Breaking the Law, we did Eat the Rich, and we did uh, Cold Gin. So we play some cover songs you're not going to hear later on that night, some Fozzie songs you're not going to hear later on that night. We hang out with you, we take some pictures, we sign some stuff. Go check it all out at FozzyRock.com. All right, have a great weekend, but coming up on Wednesday, it's the host of Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager at Seapart de Fluffy. Gabriel Iglesias is going to be here. He's hilarious. He's going to tell us all about his great career and what he's going to do on the, the, the Rock and Rager as your host with the most. I'm your host here. We'll see you next week. Have a great weekend. Stay hard. Stay heavy. Peace, love, and hugs. And a big, yeah, boy.